the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven." For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the pro- for the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer them the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Invite the congregation to be seated. So, you'll notice that I have a new toy. This is because we have pictures, and this toy has more power than probably I should be entrusted with, because if I push the button back, it could take us all the way back to the beginning of the slideshow with no opportunity to get out. So, let's just hope I push the right button, right? <laughs> today, today is All Saints Day. As, uh, as we talked with the children this morning about it, the first service, you know, a saint is someone who has given their life for the, church, for the faith. There's someone in the early church especially who lived through the persecution of the church, who was faithful to Jesus even when it wasn't only their reputation on the line, but also their physical health and their very lives. And so when we say All Saints Day, the, the fullest sense of what All Saints Day is is the cele- celebration and commemoration of those people who have given their lives for the sake of the gospel. And so when we hear in the gospel today, blessed are you when people persecute you for my sake and the sake of the gospel, you know, these are the people that we're talking about. All Saints Sunday also has a cultural context for us. And many congregations, all the ones that I've worshiped in on an All Saints Day, which probably isn't many, though it is more than one, you know, We've, we've somehow commemorated those who have died over the last year, whether it's members of the congregation or whether it's simply people in our lives. And All Saints, for me, because of this context, is an opportunity to be able to speak about the things that a lot of times we in our culture avoid because we are, we are not only avoidant of, of negative things in our culture, we're not only avoidant of, of speaking the things that reside in our heart that we hope no one else sees and that we feel like we're alone in feeling. We're, we're not only avoidant of taking off of our brave faces and letting people see the vulnerability that resides beneath. We are downright phobic. We are afraid of it. And, you know, it, it used to be the case that when, when someone died, they'd... And I, I don't know this personally. People tell me these things, you know. But we... They had, the parlor in the house apparently was a place where the body used to be. 
and, and people would gather to come and visit. And family and friends and neighbors and people would, would gather, and the family was the one who would prepare the body. And, uh, you know, working for hospice, one of, the, one of the things that I know is the, this is rare now that anybody has any kind of contact with, with the body of a person that, that we love. And, you know, think about all the things that we do with those people who we love. And, and sometimes, you know, how, how much it means just to have that, that simple touch of the hand. We love them in every way, but this one, I'm not saying like our culture is terrible, that's not what I'm, but I, I am saying that because there's not that intimacy and, and connection to death in the way that there has been traditionally, speaking it has become something that is almost taboo in our culture and we avoid it at all costs. I love All Saints Day because it gives us an opportunity to speak the things that feel unspeakable and name the things that we're afraid to give voice to. And I talked to the kids this morning about, about the, the feelings that are too big for words that come with grief. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I talked to the kids about is how a lot of times adults, because we're trying to, you know, we, we don't want them to feel sad, we don't want them to feel bad, we want them to be able to go about and be kids and do all the normal kid things and play and all the things that they normally do. But you know what part of being a normal human being is? It's being sad about the fact that somebody we love died. And so when all we show our kids is the brave face, we, we deny them the opportunity to develop a language and the toolbox and, and the ways to, to deal with those feelings that are too big for words that they're dealing with too, but don't have any context to express. And in part because it's so hard for us to express. It's so challenging for us to name because we want to be sensitive. And I, you know, I, I'm thinking about Uda right now and I'm sitting here thinking, my inside of me, I'm saying, oh man, get off of this preacher because, you know, you don't want to make, but holy cow, of course Uda's feeling bad right now, right? And we can, we can join in, in that. That's part of what the church is. That's the other thing that All Saints allows us to do is we're, we're able to take off the brave face. And in a world where we hear laugh and the world laughs with you and cry and you cry alone, we, we in the church are the place where we laugh and cry together. Um, one of the images that I, that I found this week as I was thinking is this balloon girl. It's by a, some people call him a graffiti person and I, I think he's an artist, but his name is Banksy. And, and balloon girl here, it, it just, it says something to me about what loss is, is it, it's that thing that has been so close, but it's just out of our reach. Our, our heads and our hearts trying to wrap themselves around the reality that exists, right? And I think it's interesting to look at this particular rendition of it, because the heart is a little bit tattered. There's a woundedness to it. Um, there's another aspect of grief. When when we, when we feel those feelings of grief, because the lie of grief is that we do this by ourselves. Nobody else is thinking what I'm thinking, and nobody else has ever felt the way I felt. Nobody else would ever understand the things that are going through my head. And I'm sitting around the Thanksgiving table, and I'm thinking about the person I love and I miss. Nobody else is, because they're all normal, and they've already gotten over it, right? And, and so there's a sense in which we feel like even though we're sitting in the same room, we're absolutely, utterly transparent because nobody can really see what's going on in our hearts, 
even though everyone else sitting around the table is normal too, and they're feeling a lot of the same things, you know, how do we, how do we begin as people to engage that so we can, we can stop feeling so see-through and, and find the realness that comes with being together in community? One of the ways we do that is by, by ritualizing our grief. You know, we, we do that in the funeral service, and on Saturday we'll talk about a sinner of God's own redeeming and a lamb of God's own flock. And those words are powerful not just because we remember the way that God holds each of us, but because we remember that we are all in this together. You know, that's one of the things that I hear in today's gospel. Now, the, the theologian in me is required to say that in the gospel of Luke, the context that Luke is really talking about is the reversal of fortunes for everything in the world when the kingdom of God comes into to effect. And so there's a sense in which, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, blessed are you who weep now for you will find joy. That's that eschatological promise that one day the kingdom of God will come in its fullness and all who have been put down will be lifted up. And the, the woes are saying, woe to you people who use your wealth and your power and all the things that you have in order to put other people down because you've already received your rewards. So when that eschatological kingdom comes, you know, you're going to be sorry, right? There's a piece of that in Luke. And that's, that's just the honesty about how Luke, you know, relays the gospel. And today on All Saints Day, I also hear something that's a little bit different. You know, woe to you who laugh now because you will weep. I, uh, I started doing hospice work when I was in my late 20s. And uh, it's weird to deal with dying people in your late 20s because you haven't done a lot of those kind of integration tasks for yourself just yet. You know, you're, in your 20s, you're still kind of like, oh, my arm fell off. I guess it'll grow back. You know, then, then you hit 40, and all of a sudden you feel a weird, weird twinge in your stomach, and you say, is this the thing that's going to get me? You know, it's just, it, it's a different perspective on life. But I, I went through a lot of that kind of, oh, death is real, and death is going to be here for me one day. And, oh, wow, death is real, and it's going to be here for me one day, right, in my late 20s. And so there was a, a, a way in which, you know, I was... I was kind of doing the, the early stuff or the, the late stuff early and dealing with all this stuff. And the, the thing that, that occurred to me one day as I was trying to process the grief that comes from working with people who have that terminal diagnosis is every love story ends in tragedy. You know, the best we can hope for, is, and, and I don't know whether this is what I hope for or not, but the best that we can hope for is that we outlive the person we love more than anyone else in the world. I mean, what kind of hope? How, how is that fair? How is that right? How is that good? You know, and that's, that's the thing that, that this stirs up in me as I think about this, this, you know, I'm here, but I'm so temporary. There's that transparency that comes from, you know, on average, I was never here. And I'm, I'm a vapor. And there's a beauty and a fear in that impermanence, right? Um, there's also the sense, in the South we have a saying that the other, side of the, sa the other side of the fence only has greener grass because we don't know where the cows have been. <laughs> and, you know, so there, there's a sense in which when we're in our, when we have our head down, we can see all the stuff, but everyone else's life looks a lot better. And, and the other thing that's true is even though we do, we, we see our own context really well, Sometimes we're just too close to ourselves to be able to see anything clearly. I mean, what is that even, right? 
Have you all ever heard about, you know, standing so close to an elephant, all you can see is the gray and the wrinkles, and you don't even know it's an elephant? But when we, when we pan out just a little bit, all of a sudden we see it's a heart. And, and you might notice that this heart is a tattoo. You might notice that inside the heart are swirls that look an awful lot like a fingerprint, which belonged to a young boy named Andrew who died this summer because he had heart problems. And the, the mother and father got this tattoo as a way of remembering him and honoring him. And the, the, there's a lot that strikes me about this. First of all, the injustice of it. When, when we lose somebody who's up there in age, it makes sense because that's what old people do eventually, right? But kids don't do this. You know, and the, the second piece of it, though, is when you look at it, and in better light, you would see that every line is surrounded by red from the inflammation of just having gotten that tattoo. The entire tattoo is surrounded by red. And each of these lines is raised up because, of the, because they're all swollen. They're all tender. It's a fresh wound. You know, it's, there, there will come a moment that's probably now here because these tattoos are a few months old now, where now it just looks like ink on skin, but the wound is there. The mark is there, indelible on their arms, the same way it's indelible on their hearts. And one of the things that's so important to me about this image of the tattoo is that, uh, you know, we, we think about in how, how Jesus is resurrected. You know, there's that other hope we have on All Saints Sunday. You know, we'll, we'll say in the Nicene Creed this, this morning, you know, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come and all the things we say about that moment of ultimate victory of the kingdom of God. But we've got to go through a lot before we get there. And we think about the resurrected Jesus. And I think when we think about resurrection a lot of times, we think about these new bodies that are going to be better. And maybe I'll be 25 again, and I won't hurt when I've ridden in the car for an hour and I get out. And I know that those of you all who are older than I am are saying, you just wait, buddy. But, it, you know, even, even now at 42, my knees are creaky. And I got the family knees. What are you going to do? And we, you know, but, but Jesus didn't come back in this newly wrapped perfect body. Jesus came back with wounds intact. Remember Jesus standing in the room with the disciples who were hiding there for fear behind locked doors. He said, put your hand in my hand through, through you know, the holes and, and put your hand in my side where the wounds still are. We, we carry these things with us. They're a part of our identity. They're a part of our experience. They're a part of our existence. They're a part of us. And, and there is that sensitive space where, you know, it's, it's always going to hurt a little bit. I, I heard uh, in a video on Facebook I found as I was watching videos thinking about grief, because I'm a bereavement coordinator, and so grief is my profession. We, the, um, the woman I was watching said that time doesn't heal wounds, validation does. Acknowledging the wounds of other people is what helps people heal. Because all of a sudden you're no longer transparent. All of a sudden people are able to see you. And there's nothing that makes you feel better than being known and being understood. When, when someone, you know, that's why Cheers maybe is so popular. Everybody knows your name, right? And, you know, we, we have this name, Andrew, written in his own hand. And, and it's a reminder to, to the parents every time they see their arms 
of maybe something they hope for as well as the pain that they feel. I, I said to the kids this morning that, uh, you know, when we have those feelings that are wrapped so tightly up in our hearts, then we just don't have words for them because they're so big. And adults go through this too. You know, the, the, the thing that we need is partly to know that we're not alone, right? But also people to help us speak those words and speak those things into existence. And at the end of the day, that's the promise of the church. That's why we started the font. And at the font, we remind people of being marked by the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever, not just because we like to make babies cry with cold water, but well, that's fun too, why not? But, but also because we, we remember that at the foot of the cross, we dispel the myth of grief that we are alone. We dispel the myth of pain that we feel it by ourselves. We, we dispel the myth that death is the end. We dispel the myth that our shame is the answer to who we are. We dispel all the myths about us and embrace the one truth that matters, that we're children of God who are loved and cared for. And together as the body of Christ, our real context is not that we are individuals floating around alone in our own ship, but we're all in the boat together. That's, that's what I hear in the gospel. You know, blessed are you who mourn now because you'll feel joy. Woe to you who rejoice now because you will mourn. And we know that those two positions are not juxtaposed only in economic and whatever realities that Luke was talking about, but in the fact that all of us will experience grief and joy a lot of times together. And I, I have this final image and when I found this one on Tuesday morning, I've looked at this thing five times a day since Tuesday because I just find it so haunting and beautiful. And maybe, maybe it's just because I don't have a lot of taste in art and I own that. But it's, it's because, you know, isn't, isn't that the dispelling of the ultimate myth? That there's, when we grieve, there's no one else who understands. We worship God who through the death and resurrection of Jesus and through through seeing Jesus on the road weeping with Mary and inviting Martha to hope that the sun might shine again and, and standing before the tomb of Lazarus and being utterly offended at the audacity of death to rob his friend from him. You know, God joins us in that grief, not because, grief is, not because death is the end, but because that's where love is found. Love is found in the place where we need each other more than we've ever needed each other before. And even though grief might be temporary and joy will come in the morning, who do we remember but the people who weep with us? Um, so this All Saints Day, we, uh, we remember some, some important things together. One is that, you know, it, it's real and it stinks that, that we lose the people we love. And even though resurrection is real, it stinks too because we're still waiting. And the reality is that we're gonna spend the rest of our lives without those people we love and that stinks on ice too. And even those realities are not the fullness of reality because we as the body of Christ are called to bear each other up. And we have the joy and the privilege and in that we dwell in the hope of being able to name the things that our culture is so afraid of naming 
and of taking off the mask to see the face that a lot of us are so afraid of seeing and to stand in those spaces of of difficulty that make us so uncomfortably intimate because we can't hide from ourselves or anybody else in those spaces and know that those are the spaces in our lives where we encounter the sacred and the holy more clearly than anywhere else. So, so this week when we go out from this place, you know, re- remember that while there is a story behind the story of our loss, you know, that loss is also a part of our story. And if we bind it up and we keep those words that are too big in our hearts and we remain afraid to say them, then they're gonna come out. They just won't come out in the ways that we choose. How are you gonna speak those things that you're afraid to speak, that hurt to speak? How will your speaking those things give courage to the people who need to hear and say those things themselves? What is it that God's speaking into your heart to remind us that, you know, we're, we're not alone in the midst of this and there is hope even though hope looks different and the new normal is different. And God knows as Lutherans, we don't like different very much. The presence of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the thing that gives us hope and strength to move on because God doesn't cheapen our grief by passing over it. God gives its full weight by engaging us so that we can come again to tell a different story about those we love and have lost which is the story of the love that we share, the story of the joy, and be able to say with a little bit of conviction that that grief is a privilege to have had people that we love so much that we can't stand to be without them. Amen.